Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin, and today we're talking about childbirth education. My wife and I are both doulas, and we developed and taught a unique childbirth education workshop for several years. During that time, I saw many different approaches that expecting parents took towards preparing themselves for birth and beyond. Today, there are a myriad of different brands and methods and presenters of childbirth education classes and workshops. My goal in this episode is to sort through some of the pros and cons of childbirth education. Is it really necessary, especially in preparation for various types of birth and birth plans? We'll explore some of the similarities and differences among the brand name classes and what you might look for in a local boutique offering. My guest today is in a very unique position to discuss childbirth education. She's a board-certified labor and delivery nurse, certified childbirth educator, and a doula. She's been involved in more than 5,000 births and combines her nursing knowledge and experience with her passion for education to provide childbirth and specialty education to growing families. Sarah Levon, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm super excited. We just reconnected recently. Yeah. Um, and um, as happens to me all the time, <laughs> I I reconnected with you in a setting outside the hospital. Yep. And um, it took me a few minutes to realize that we've done birth together. We absolutely have. I've seen you as a doula. Yeah. Yourself. And I've I seen you it. as a nurse, but now a doula. Yeah. Maybe I should become a nurse and we can <laughs> totally we can, we can flop. reverse roles. I love it. So speaking of that, we often hear that doulas and hospital staff clash, you mm. know? And if that's true, I guess you have some inner serious inner conflict going on <laughs> because you're on both sides of the... Of, of the fence. Yeah. Um, I'm curious what led you to become a labor and delivery nurse to begin with, and then that progression to doula and childbirth educator. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I became a nurse seven years ago, and that was kind of my entrance into the childbirth world. Um, and I always knew when I was thinking about a profession, I wanted something practical. I wanted something that helped people. I wanted something um, that was challenging for my brain. I like the science behind it. And so I just kind of one thing led to another that led me into nursing. But I also knew that I loved pregnant people. I just thought and think they're like the most beautiful things in the world. And I still, even after all my all the births that I've been a part of, I just still think that birth and the fact that women can grow a human being and then it comes out and lives with their family is just so incredible to me. Um, so I think it was a fascination with pregnancy, a love for young women in particular uh, that got me into labor and delivery in the first place. So I was hired directly into labor and delivery, which oh, is wow. a little bit unique for a nurse. Usually you kind of have to do the med surge route and just kind of basic nursing before you can specialize like that. But I was fortunate enough to go straight into my specialty. And I remember, one, it being very challenging, um, but two, kind of right right from the very beginning, talking to my family, I was 22 at the time, and just said, I really feel like I have found my calling. That like, you know, some people go, go through multiple career changes in their life, and I just was like, I will do this the rest of my Forever. life. Wow. I love it. And just ate it up. It just made my soul come alive. So I loved being a nurse. I still love being a nurse um, and really just um, learned a lot over the years. And then, you know, one thing led to another. And I am a pretty proactive learner and I like to challenge myself. And after a couple of years, I got a second job at a completely different hospital with a completely different patient population intentionally just to kind of widen my experience. And then at that second job here in Los Angeles, I... Um, That's where I worked with you. Yes. Yep. Okay. That was at the hospital 
hospital that we were at together, um, I joined a group of nurses that that began to revamp the childbirth program at this large hospital in mm-hmm. Los Angeles. So we kind of got together and met, and I um, you know, was a part of eight other nurses, and we revamped the program and put the curriculum together and started teaching. So that was four or five years ago, yeah. I think probably four, at least four and a half, maybe. It's the around the time people started coming out of there feeling really jazzed about birth. Yep. Yep. So you must have changed it a lot. I mean, the hospital in general changed, I would say, night and day over a 10-year mm. period of time, mm-hmm. just from observation of attending birth with clients or yeah. working on clients birthing there, um, you know, deliberately seemed to open up and become a lot more inclusive of different birth plans yes. and what people want in childbirth, um, all within the framework of the fact that it's a hospital and certain things mm-hmm. happen in hospital birth. But to the extent that there is freedom to choose and leeway to birth in different styles, yep. um, this hospital, compared to most of the other ones in the neighborhood, really seemed to try hard. Yeah, yeah. So about that time, the hospital I was at brought in a doula from the outside and brought her into that. She's also a childbirth educator and trains doulas as well to help us revamp the program. And so I think that was, I mean, I'd always been exposed to doulas and actually my friends and my family or other nurses to having their babies would have me be their doula. So I've always kind of been connected to that world. Um, But that was my first kind of exposure, I think, as a nurse to the doula world from a doula perspective where we'd spend like hours talking about different childbirth topics when we're putting together this curriculum. And so uh, I think that that always heightened my interest in becoming a doula. Um, and I always said, like, if if ever I stopped being a nurse, like I would be a doula because it would keep me in the childbirth world. Um, but so I think that at that point, that was where like the three kind of professions collided through Mm. doula world, through childbirth education, and then through me being a nurse. And during that time, I mean, we would sit round table and discuss doula perspective versus nurse perspective and and kind of go back and forth. At the same time, I was involved. We had a a doula advisory committee. So it was a committee at the hospital that brought doulas and nurses together and helped us kind of learn how to work together. Mm -hmm. And so I always believed in doula work. I always believed in childbirth education. And then once we started teaching after putting together this curriculum that I would say is very well-rounded as far as like a hospital birth class. And then you add in all kind of like the, the extra doula stuff that makes it a little bit more holistic. Yeah. Um, and so once we started teaching classes, um, I really found that one, I my, me personally, I had a huge passion for childbirth education. And I saw couples before birth, which was unique for me in my scenario, because I would just see them when they were in labor or for delivery. And I'd see the concerns that they had prior to birth. And I'd see them come into class feeling really anxious, honestly, and having heard so many things about birth that were not necessarily true um, or just, just needed to be tweaked here and there of like what, having realistic expectations and then walk out of class class and be like, okay, I'm ready to go. Let's do this. And like excited about the experience, which is the goal. It's a profound transformation. And Mm -hmm. I don't see it with all the childbirth education classes, but on on some you consistently see how someone will be mostly afraid and a little excited for labor and birth. 
um, and then take the class or the workshop and then leave mostly excited and a little nervous. Totally, totally. And that's that's kind of like a sign of a great fit, a mm-hmm. good a good class, but also a good fit between that person and that class. Right, absolutely. Um, and I really want to jump into what the different choices and options are and what's included in a childbirth education class mm-hmm. and what to look for for that good fit. But I'm still very curious about <laughs> that, that nursing doula. Yeah. You know, because in a lot of hospitals, they clash hard. In a lot of hospitals, Mm -hmm. you know, the hospital staff does not like doulas Mm -hmm. um, uh, or elements of the hospital staff do not like doulas. They do not like birth plans. They do Mm -hmm. not like, you know, patients coming in advocating for themselves. Um, I've been there. I see it happen. Um, And in your hospital where you were working most recently, it didn't seem that way. But like, how is that nurse's perspective? Like, when you work with a patient, you always have a dynamic between you and a patient. You're, a mm-hmm. nurse is somebody that the patient really doesn't get to interview and pick, mm-hmm. you know? And it's the same for the patient. As a nurse, you have to work with whoever comes in, yep. whether your chemistry is great or not. I always talk about picking medical providers and wellness providers. It's a little bit like dating, you know? you <laughs> You kind of need to get to know each other. I could be the best chiropractor, but I'm, I know I'm not a good fit for some people. Absolutely. Um, and for sure with, with pregnancy, which is so intimate, and birth, which is so intimate, it's the same with picking a doula or picking a midwife or picking an obstetrician. But the nurse, you don't really get to interview and pick. Mm-hmm. And as a nurse, you don't get to interview and pick. And sometimes you must have like the wrong chemistry, and <laughs> it must be challenging in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally speaking, then there's another component, which is this person comes in with a doula, who's mm-hmm. also sort of not part of the hospital staff, not really part of the medical team, but a big part of the support team that you now have to work with also. How, how does that dynamic work with, with nurses and doulas? We are going to take a quick commercial break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Berlin, and I want to talk to you about something that is close to my heart. Literally. Omega-3. It's a crucial nutrient that's sadly overlooked. With 95% of women deficient, Needed, the supplement brand I trust, created their brand new Omega-3 soft gels. Designed by perinatal experts, they support you and your baby's well-being from fertility to pregnancy and beyond. Unlike other brands, Needed's Omega-3 is sustainable, pesticide-free, and third-party tested for purity. Plus, my favorite, it has a milder taste and smell, perfect for sensitive mamas. Don't wait. Visit thisisneeded.com and use code BERLIN to get 20% off your initial order. Experience the needed difference, consciously crafted for your health and the planet. I think that uh, from a nurse's perspective, where the clash can sometimes come into play is just that sometimes there's some overlap in roles. So I think that when doulas know what their role is and when nurses know what their role is, um, that's one thing, but yet they both are there for support. So from my perspective as a nurse, there were times when the when I felt left out of the birth experience, mm. where I felt like the doula and the client had this like synergy in this relationship that I'd walk in, just like you said, having to build rapport very quickly and having to uh, build trust and be allowed into that moment and wanting to help so desperately, but feeling like I was the nuisance or Third I was wheel. on the outside. 
And also, it's it's sometimes I think probably even worse than that is like you're the hospital person. Yes. Yep, absolutely. You're that I force am, us to right, do things. Right, that I'm going to force my opinion or I'm going to force interventions or Pitocin, you know, on you. And I just come in because I want to I want to give you medications or, I don't know, intervene in some way or another when really like, I mean, my heart and soul was I want to come in and help and I want to learn about you and I want to observe my environment and and join the birth team yeah. versus be the enemy. Um, and so I think there was- Well, you were never my enemy because <laughs> I, I love the nurses at, yeah. at, the, at that hospital because mm-hmm. um, you guys always have really delicious flavors of ices. <laughs> we um, do. And so <laughs> Absolutely. You don't want to make enemies with the keeper of the ices. Definitely not. No, you want access to the ices. <laughs> and the juice. All yep. right. So, I mean, I think that there's a lot there's a lot more that comes into that, but I think that it's it's overlap of roles is one of the biggest things of knowing that like everybody can be on the same team, but there's a little I would say there's a little bit of ego involved too of like your nurse comes in, it's her territory and like you're coming into my space, but yet the patients coming into their new space that should feel like home, and then how does that work? So, I mean, I could talk about and there's that for no a really vetting, long time. and there's right. no vetting. It's not, not like we have a chance to build up chemistry. Yep. And I imagine sometimes people come in like in the heat of labor, totally. and there's really no time to mm-hmm. like get to know each other. It's like, hi, I'll be stabbing you with this IV thing, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> and then you really become the enemy very quickly with yeah. that IV, right? Because as soon as they come, nothing that you do is inherently mm-hmm. comfortable mm-hmm. for yep. those uh, for the entry situation. Yep. Um, now that you're a doula as well, so yeah. have you attended birth in other settings like home birth and birthing center? So I have not been in Ooh. home births. Okay. Um, I I know a lot about them, and I actually am joining a home birth team very soon. Um, but as a nurse, not as a doula, oh, <laughs> so really? that's like a whole nother realm of things. Um, and really, my focus has been for hospital birth. I think there's a lot of doulas that love home birth, that believe in home birth, that pursue home birth clients. Whereas for me, I feel like my specialty is hospital birth. And part of my goals, one of the things that I preach all the time is how do you make the most of the hospital experience? And how do you go from it being this super scary, sterile place to it being somewhere that like has been transformed into your home? And that alone helps you feel off guard and more safe and more able to freely labor how you want to labor. And so for me, I see myself as the translator between the hospital and the home or the client. I'm so curious what it, would, what it will be like, because I know you're going to, mm-hmm. when you attend a home birth as a doula, yeah. how, how you will experience it and how you'll yeah. feel after you experience it. Yeah, I mean, I... I'm going to have to have you back. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to come back and talk about my home birth experience. Uh, I I mean, for me in general, I think birth is birth. And so I try not to think about it as like, oh, you're delivering in the hospital versus home. And I I think birth is, is what it is, no matter where you're at. Mind you, at home, like you have some different options and they're in their home, you know, and rather than mm-hmm. having to do the whole hospital transfer and deal with the staff or deal with different providers or well, whatever. We, we um, did both home birth and hospital birth with our kids. You and, did. And at our home birth, there's two things nobody warned us about because um, we had one baby out of four at the hospital where where you were working mm-hmm. and two at a, a different hospital locally. Uh, and one at home. And two things nobody warned us about the home birth is, number one, if you're going to have a water birth and then she gets out of the tub, uh-huh. you got to have a big towel that you couldn't care less about. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I was 
after maybe an hour after the birth on my hands and knees with hydrogen peroxide on a toothbrush getting it oh, out of the grout right. before the kids wake up. Right. <clears throat> and they're like, what's going on here, uh, CSI? You know, that's <laughs> what it looked like. You need a tarp like. under like, a your, tarp, on, your whole, a towel. on your whole ground. Like, no, somebody could have warned me about that. And then mm-hmm. number two is like, um, you know, the juice combination, that cocktail that you yes. guys make, that doesn't happen at home. Right? Well, we're just going to have to give you the inside scoop <laughs> on how to make that cocktail. Honestly, the it's machine. the ice. It's, it's the, ice, ice, machine. the ice, yeah. Like the slushy ice. I need the Good ice stuff. machine. So there's that. But, you know, in our childbirth education class, we did talk a lot about the, um, we don't teach it anymore, but we did talk a lot about the parallels between getting a baby into your body and getting a baby out of your body. Okay. How it's very similar anatomy and physiology. Mm-hmm. The anatomy is the same. Baby goes in and comes out the same street. Mm-hmm. Um, and the physiology being uh, the hormone oxytocin and how powerful it is during labor, but that it's also the love bonding and orgasm hormone. So if you were going to choose for like where to have this, you know, monumentous, beautiful, relaxed, but enjoyable yep. conception, um, for a lot of people, most people, the setting makes a big difference. Would you have um, light, bright light, dim light, no light? Would you have different scents in the room? Would you what mm-hmm. would you be wearing or not wearing? Uh, what kind of sounds or music would be there or not there? And um, I think for a lot of people, if they had to conceive, you know, wearing a big oversized uh, hospital <laughs> muumuu with an IV jabbed in their arm, bright lights around. on them, <laughs> and random people coming and going, smells like germicide. It wouldn't yeah. be the epic moment that it could have been. Totally. And for many people, birth is the same thing. It's that mm-hmm. same anatomy and physiology. So the setting that makes you feel relaxed enough to have that kind of intensity and enjoy it yeah. um, instinctually wouldn't be the hospital setting for a lot of people. Absolutely. And when those people... Even for people who, like, the hospital is practically my home. Like, I've spent yeah. years there and I wouldn't necessarily choose that environment. Sure. Yeah. So so that's what I'm saying. So people mm-hmm. who feel that way and feel safe and comfortable at home, um, there's just night and day. We kind of described ourselves as as having home birth at the hospital with our first two babies. Mm -hmm. Um, The first one was like 42 hours of labor, completely unmedicated, except Mm -hmm. for 800 milligrams of Advil, which I kept taking every four hours (laughs) for my stupid headache. I I kept telling my wife, oh, my God, you have no idea how much this hurts. Um, (laughs) But, um, you know, she's amazing. And so, so, but, you know, we did both. Yeah. And, and home birth at the hospital is what I called it until I started attending home births. Yeah, yeah. And I realized totally. there's no such thing. What's missing from yeah. the home birth is home. <laughs> of course. Right? Absolutely. But then there's people who feel very safe, much safer, mm-hmm. medically safe, being yep. at the hospital and wouldn't be able to relax at home or maybe have risk factors that make home not safe. Mm-hmm. And then hospital birth is the right place for them. Totally. You know? And so yep. it's great that we have here in Los Angeles – Lots of variety yep. on different provider types and setting types and your and also doula types. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. we also have a lot of variety in childbirth education types. Mm-hmm. So let's start with the basic question of should you or shouldn't you? Yeah. Does, does everybody benefit from childbirth education or are there some people that maybe would probably be better off without extra information? So I think you have to know yourself. Uh, in general, what I say is that I do see benefit for everybody to attend a childbirth class. Mind you, the type of childbirth class that you attend and who your instructor is makes, makes a, a difference. Big difference. Yeah. So 
in general, can I say that absolutely everybody should go to every type of class? No, I wouldn't say that. I would say that there are certain classes that are going to be much more towards different types of people or different types of birth experiences that people are looking for. And then also knowing yourself that maybe you are the type that wants every possible detail. And I've had clients like this. I've had people in my classes that are like, wait, but tell me all of this spectrum and then the completely the other side, uh, which is great. And that's those are the types of people definitely that should be going to a childbirth class. Um, but then there's the ones that are kind of, and I get this in my classes all the time, that like ignorance is bliss. No, I haven't opened a book. I've tried to just avoid all of the information altogether. And I, you know, when people start to tell me stories, I sort of listen, but I sort of tune them out, you know? Right. Uh, mind you, I do get those types of people in my classes. And I find that if you're going to seek any information, which anytime you go through a huge life change or like your body's about to go through a huge process and a very transformative experience with you and your partner, that I think you 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 have options. And I think that, that the unknown for everybody um, can potentially be scary. So knowing a little bit of like what to expect can be very helpful. Um, and I think today more than ever, there are so many choices yes. that come up in yeah. terms of where you have your baby, who attends mm-hmm. your birth, do you want it to be, right. would, you know, there's a whole myriad of interventions that you can select to choose electively mm-hmm. or not to have, other ones that you may have to make a choice, mm-hmm. you know, down the road uh if there's a fork in the road, which way do you want to go? And in labor is probably the wrong time to start learning about those options and making a rational choice. So the whole way I got involved in education and podcasts and documentaries and YouTube series is because I saw too many people coming back after their birth experience Mm -hmm. saying, I wish somebody would have told me about this beforehand or that beforehand. So I kind of also agree with you. And that's what I was saying earlier. There are people who close their eyes and close their ears and don't want to see and don't want to hear. And I get that. Mm -hmm. And I kind of – it makes sense because none of the other animals take a childbirth education (laughs) class. And they seem to do (laughs) fine. But the problem is those animals aren't watching TV and they're not reading the newspapers and they're not hearing horrible birth stories from their friends. And, you know, we always say there's never going to be a headline that says all planes landed safely today. Mm -hmm. You only hear about the bad ones, even if 99% are great. So because we're flooded with information and we have that neocortex that lets us analyze and become afraid of things, Mm -hmm. you also need to kind of fill your that neocortex with more information that helps you feel safe and confident and know what choices you'll make if you have to make choices. Right. Well, and once you get pregnant, you're bombarded with not only the stories, but also with information. Like everything's being tracked online as far as what you do. And so all of a sudden your Facebook feed starts coming up with ads or with videos on different topics or you start ending up on, on newsletter streams giving you information. So with so much information out there, it can be so incredibly overwhelming. And I think childbirth education classes help you concise the information, help you to um, kind of pull from all those sources and put the information together in a way that makes sense. Uh, And kind of along the same lines as what you were talking about, as a nurse, I cannot tell you how many times a client came in in labor and like, for instance, I'll tell you this story. Woman came in and she was kind of grabbing onto the bed, bed railing and screaming and kind of flailing around or whatever. Like, And, and the, the, what came out of her mouth was, what is happening to me? Oh. And 
I've seen that. Right? And so not only that, like that would be the extreme of like, and my answer was, well, a contraction, you know, and and I'm like, okay, well, let's start at the the basics. But she's already in discomfort. And how much education is really going to make a difference in that moment? At that second. Right. Like it's not going to make that much of a difference. But how many other times I would be at the bedside with a client and be sitting there and thinking, man, if I could have had you for like an hour oh, yeah. before birth, your birth experience would be so much different. Yeah. You know, and I'm trying to catch them up. Well, that's normal. You know, and it's, you end up saying a lot of like, that's normal. And they're looking at you like, how can this be normal? And I'm like, no, no, it's so normal and so good. And whereas if you if they would know that ahead of time, then at least for them, when those sensations starts coming or, you know, when there's a, a turn in the road, that's not what they expect that they've already dealt with how to navigate your labor and birth, how to know what your options are, um, rather than it producing more fear, just like you said, you know, and then that continues the fear spiral, fear, tension, pain, and and continues. Um, this is an experience like nothing else in absolutely. life. There's nothing that you can yeah. say, okay, let me do this, and it'll be like a test run for that. The only <laughs> test run is doing it. Yep. And so having some information going mm-hmm. into it helps most people, and I think we're very much in agreement that yeah. most people today would benefit from a childbirth education class. Mm -hmm. Um, In a second, we're going to take a break. I just wanted to tell you, because my whole Facebook feed, Instagram feed is all birth-related, I am constantly getting ads for things like nipple butter and other (laughs) products that I really have no personal use for. But um, I can only imagine that pregnant women must be flooded. Oh, absolutely. Flooded with stories and information and videos and things like that. Um, when we come back, we're going to talk about more structure. What What mm-hmm. is the structure of a childbirth education class? What can you expect? And, you know, some of the basic differences and how somebody might choose the right class for them. Great. Join us in a moment. We'll, we'll be right back with Sarah Levon on the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. <laughs> Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin, and we're continuing our informative and fascinating and energized conversation <laughs> with childbirth education guru, Sarah Levon. Uh, all right. So we've sort of established that it probably makes sense for most people to do some form of childbirth education. Mm-hmm. Um, break it down. What are the core parts of childbirth education? What are the more specific things that I'm looking to get out of a class? Mm-hmm. So usually there's a little bit of background on anatomy and physiology, and I say that as like nurse terms, but basically like what to expect from your body as you prepare for labor and birth. What changes happen and why are those beneficial for you preparing for birth or during your pregnancy or whatever? Um, So kind of prepping you for that, and then they would talk about signs not to go to the hospital, signs to go to the hospital. Uh, If you're doing a hospital birth. Yep, thank you. Um, Or signs to call your midwife. Um, When is it time? How do you know that labor is actually labor versus you hear all the stories about false labor or Braxton Hicks contractions? And um, So how to distinguish between is it labor or is it not? And then um, stages of labor. So what does early labor look like versus active labor versus transition towards the end? What to expect for pushing? What to expect for birth? Uh, And then um, along those lines, somewhere in there would be some coping, hopefully, in your childbirth class. Look for a class that has some sort of coping because that's a huge piece of it. And then also one of my – this is one of my passions, um, but – 
ideally when you're looking for a class that you would find one that includes the partner really well if you have a partner. Mm. Uh, because I think that partners just sometimes feel really left out and they don't know where they fit. And I think the childbirth educator has the opportunity to include the partner in a way that can also be very empowering for them and give them some tools and some like resources and know-how of what to do, what their role is for labor and birth. So definitely some coping practice included in that would be breathing, relaxation, positions, movement, stuff like that. And then back to birth, what happens immediately after birth, skin to skin, they should touch on breastfeeding. And then what does the immediate postpartum look like? And by postpartum, I mean the first six weeks after delivery. So that there's different stages of that. So what would that look like right after birth? If you're in a hospital, what would that look like in the hospital? If you're at home, what to expect um, in those initial, you know, first 24 hours-ish. And then after that, what are the changes that your body goes through as it comes through postpartum into being out of that stage and then how to anticipate going home with baby or staying home with baby. Um, Maybe a little bit on like routines at home, sex after birth, birth control is a part of mine, not necessarily always, but kind of what does that next six weeks look like after delivery? I want to touch on all the things you just mentioned. <laughs> First of all, AMP, anatomy and physiology, yeah. right? Yeah. So I definitely have found over the years that when someone understands what's happening, you know, how the structures yes. are and yes. how they're functioning and what's <laughs> like what the uterus is doing and what the totally. baby's doing, what the cervix is doing, then they're much more able to relax, to, mm-hmm. to feel safe yep. when it's actually happening to them. They can feel it and it's been described and like, oh, that's what that is and then even though it's big and intense mm-hmm. it, it's normal because yep, they learned about everything it. absolutely yep. um coping. well and even with labor i think too like the anatomy and physiology of what happens in labor and i'll if i can go there i'll give this little tidbit from my class when i describe labor and i actually this i had an aha moment as a nurse and i was probably like a year into my career when all of a sudden i was like oh well that's what labor is and so how i describe labor is is that labor is when your cervix changes with contractions mm-hmm. super simple right yeah. but if you're having contractions so often for moms they're having contractions and maybe they're uncomfortable and they're having to breathe and cope through them they go to the hospital they get sent home they go to the hospital they get sent home or they call their midwife, they come and check them, they leave and they're like, sorry, it's not labor yet, right? And how frustrating that can be and how fear provoking that can be. And so when I feel like when people understand that it's actually the key is that your cervix changes, meaning it thins out, it opens up, the baby comes down into the pelvis, then all of a sudden when they're having those Braxton Hicks contractions or having irregular contractions, they're, they're going to be less prone to call their midwife when they don't need to or to go to the hospital when they don't need to, right? So it's almost avoiding and if I can say this, intervention, meaning going to the hospital and getting checked and getting monitors and all of that. That wasn't necessary. S- yeah, right. Time. Simply by knowing and feeling comfortable with, is this labor, is this not? And what's a, what is a contraction happening? Yeah. And how do you know? And mind you, everything's flexible with labor. Like you can't anticipate everything about labor. But at the same time, there are some pretty clear things that do happen with, I would say, everybody. At some point, obviously, the baby has to go from like inside to outside. Right. right. <laughs> Starting there. <laughs> you sometimes see people who actually can feel their cervix opening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've they heard know that. that they're dilating. Yeah. And they know that they've made progress in their dilation mm-hmm. just by being in touch with their cervix. Absolutely. It's kind of cool yep. because most people seemingly 
are not in touch with that. Versus being like, I don't want to know what's going on with my body. Right. I like ignorance is bliss. Right? I was, yeah. And that is that is sometimes the approach to childbirth education in the same way it translates to labor that like once you know that that's normal, that's expected and you're paying attention in a way that's like exciting almost of like, wow, look at what my body can do, (laughs) that you're engaging with your labor in a completely different way than if then being like, ah, what is happening to me? You're totally removed because you have no idea what's going on. I um my my cervical dilation chart is like one centimeter is a Cheerio, three is like a Ritz cracker, mm-hmm. seven is like a can of beer, the diameter, yeah, yeah. and ten is a, <laughs> a bagel. So yeah. usually when I was doing doula work, I'd be at a birth and like my kids would call and I'm like, oh, I'm somewhere between a Ritz cracker and a beer, you know. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I'm like, I love it. I love it. Well, I actually have a YouTube video on vaginal exams and yeah. I do the exact same thing in the video where I take different things from around the house and I'm like this is four centimeters and honestly even when I was filming that I got to the nine centimeter one which is a venti Starbucks cup like an oh. iced Starbucks cup and you can see when you put the baby like the baby doll not a real baby into the cup you can see how the top of the head sits down below where the cervix would be and that's why people feel pressure. So it's a it would be a, it's also a fun resource for you wow. to be able to kind of see that because I do have a video on that. Yeah, you should get a Starbucks sponsor. Right, I should. <laughs> and that's the sponsor I want for sure. The amount I spend on Starbucks. Yeah, and the amount doulas spend. Yeah, yeah. All Amen. the doulas. Yeah. It's like my lifeline. That is a nurse or as a doula. Yeah. Either one. Um, coping is another thing you talked mm-hmm. about. And coping, I think sometimes people don't realize that even if they're planning to have a complete epidural, you have to get there. <laughs> you have Absolutely. to get to that point. Like if you feel contraction surges, waves happening in your body and your cervix is not changing, for example, yet, mm-hmm. then the hospital is not going to admit you yet. Right. And so how are you going to cope through mm-hmm. that part until you can get your epidural? Mm-hmm. And also a lot of people, I think, surprise themselves once they are able to cope for that early part. Yeah. Um, they just go for a while longer till it picks up a little bit. But then your body starts making all these hormones and you feel kind of better. And when you finally do get checked, you might be five, six, seven centimeters mm-hmm. and be like, oh, wait a second. I think I can do that. So mm-hmm. coping is really important. Even if your number one plan is I want to be medicated as much as possible, right. you still have to cope somewhat. Right. Well, in early labor can take however long it takes. You know, early labor meaning zero to six centimeters. And really, you're not on a clock. We don't really care how long it takes. And in fact, it's good that it takes however long it takes. And so with that being said, there's actually benefit to decreasing your risk for C-section and decreasing your risk for medical interventions that would otherwise be unnecessary by showing up to the hospital at about six centimeters or active labor. And so with that being said, not only for people who want their epidural, sure enough, if you want an epidural, then then show up to the hospital and get your epidural. But the idea is that we, as your medical team, I'm speaking like as a medical provider mm-hmm. now, um, we want you to be in labor, right? We don't. We want your body to have established itself and said, "Yes, let's have this baby," versus us, you know, waiting and not knowing how much longer it's going to take. I, we say that once you get an active labor, it's like getting on the freeway to delivery. Like you're, it's a straight shot. Like we're moving, we're getting there. Versus early labor is kind of like the side streets where uh-huh. you can see the the entrance or the on ramp in the future, but you're like, "Oh, wait, detour." 
let me go this way for a little bit longer and then we're going to sit here and then we're going to turn we're going to stop at a stop sign and then we're going to keep going and have like you know regular contractions and then so so the goal would be that you get to do that early labor piece at home just like we talked about in the safety of your environment in a place that really breeds those labor hormones and and helps your body to continue to progress forward versus the fear hormones that can stunt labor so the idea is that if you show up in active labor once your body's actually decided to do so then in theory, you continue to progress towards delivery. You're on the freeway to delivery, and uh, and it does actually decrease your risk for C-section or other medical interventions. I feel like sometimes you're in bumper-to-bumper traffic, <laughs> if we can take that analogy one step further. <laughs> sometimes you do. You're like, is it really rush hour or is it not? But yeah, but sometimes you're in the from? HOV lane, like when you yep. least expect it, boom. Yep, and all of a sudden we're like, wow, we've reached our final destination. I guess hey, you have hey. to have twins to be in the HOV lane. <laughs> That's right. true. That's true. Good point. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I've taken that analogy as far as I can. Um, You also talk about the partner. Mm -hmm. Um, I know a lot of partners want to be hands-on. They want to, when we see Mm -hmm. our loved one um, having this intense but sometimes very magical experience, um, you can tell that they need something, Mm -hmm. that they could really benefit from something, but you don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. And so in a good childbirth education class, you could give lots of different options and tools and things that they may not think of on their own. Yes. Um, And they can practice actually some of those things before labor starts and really bond in that way leading up to childbirth. So Yeah. Well, and it becomes their experience as well. I always say like, yes, there's this, the idea of preparing for birth is you're, you're preparing for the memory, right? That you're doing the best to set yourself up to have a healthy birth memory. But that birth memory isn't just for mom. That birth memory is for, for the partner as well. And so like, I think it, it's important for the partner to kind of embrace their role, which I think you, you, if you're in the right class, you do as a, in your class, you can learn your role and you can really like come into that and walk away. Like I got this. I always say in my classes that like dads, you're their doula, you know, partners, you're their doula. And then this is your doula training here. And so that's where too, I, I like, and I said that that's important to me. And so like my perspective is very much how to include them in the best that I can. So everything that I teach anatomy and physiology, when this is happening, what does the doula do? By doula, now I'm talking partner. You, yeah. You know? So it's really interesting because sometimes then I'll see a dad who doesn't or a partner who doesn't want a doula because mm-hmm. they're like, wait a second, I want to be the doula. Yeah. So, But they are the doula, but there's also, a, mm. I think, a big difference between partner and doula. Like mm-hmm. as a partner, there's certain things that you can do that a doula couldn't possibly do. Mm-hmm. You know your partner better than anybody. You know what makes them 100%. tick, where their fears are. You can look at them in a way that a doula couldn't t- and they just melt and relax. You can mm-hmm. hold them or hug them or be affectionate in a way that a doula can't. But then also, no matter how much you pick up in a class, mm-hmm. you're not going to have the experience of coaching people through the right. journey and having seen the journey so many times. Mm-hmm. So in a perfect world, it's a puzzle where each piece is very necessary and mm-hmm. and interlocks together to create the full picture. Yep. Um, well, it's a lot of pressure for the partner. You know, that like they they go to this childbirth class that's say six hours and they walk out like, oh, I have to know everything that just happened. And now I have to feel comfortable with <laughs> whatever happens along the way and whatever sounds she makes or whatever stage of labor. Now I have to know the stage of labor, which, by the way, you don't, you know, <laughs> yeah. stuff like that, that it, it ends up being a lot of pressure on the partner. And some partners are super invigorated by that. Yeah. You know, but I would say the majority of partners 
are going to feel a little uncomfortable and also need the support. And so that's where the doula comes in, where they're the support for the two of them. And I always say like my chain of command is I support the two of you, but it's kind of like I help the partner support the woman. Now you're you're wearing your doula hat when you say that. Exactly. Not your nurse's hat. Yes. Yeah. I mean, well, as a nurse, I, I mean, I would, that was my philosophy, but I was, I feel like it's a little I don't know different. that every, every nurse functions through that lens. Well, for sure. Right. <laughs> uh, um, the, the funny thing that you said is uh, because my wife is a doula mm-hmm. as well, and I'm a doula, but we always had a doula for all four of our yep. births because yep. it's just a different role. Well, and that's the same with me and other labor and delivery nurses, that I was always their doula. You know, for their birth. And, and honestly, I was actually telling the story today. Oh, that for your coworkers. For my coworkers, yeah. That, like, in theory, they know a lot about birth. They've seen it in all sorts of realms, but they still need well, still, the support. Actually, I always find it makes it um, a little more challenging. Oh, 100%. That's a- literally what the conversation I had today was oh. of, like, how awkward it is as the labor and delivery nurse caring for the labor and delivery nurse as the doula. Because <laughs> yeah. they know everything to say. They right. know what's happening. And it's not, like, all of the, like, the reassurance of, like, this is normal. I say that so much in births. Yeah. This is normal. This is so good. You're doing amazing. They're like, I know this is normal. You know, I'm like, well, uh, yeah, but that's the I thing. Mean, is I find it so much harder for them to shut off that consciousness oh, yeah. and to be analyzing yeah. everything and thinking about everything mm-hmm. because they've been there so many times mm-hmm. analyzing and thinking about it for somebody else. Which is why you do pre work and why I always say labor and delivery nurses. You have to go to a childbirth class, too, because you have to be in the patient's shoes. And for your partner, that you get that collective experience together to sit in the class with the other couples or, you know, to take the class online, however form you want to do it. But, like, you get to have that shared experience and start to switch your brain over, not walking into your birth thinking, like, I know everything because it's your body. It's your experience. It's going to be a little different. So you get that education ahead of time, and that that sets you up to hopefully have done the pre-work to turn off the nurse brain and turn on the, like, I am the laboring mom, and I'm going to have my transformative experience and be present in my body and listen and not bring in all of the other stories of other people that, like, claim this birth story for yourself. No. Well, you must be a super doula if you can do that. Because oh, my gosh. No pressure. <laughs> I'm just saying I, I've doula for doulas, and it's it's much more challenging. Yeah. I like it, yep. but it's much more challenging mm-hmm. in that way. I like challenge. I like challenge, too, but I'm lazy. It's a long story. <laughs> anyway, um, hospital versus out-of-hospital birth class. Mm-hmm. Not, I'm not talking about the birth itself. Yep. I'm just saying what are some of the pros and cons on taking a, a class at a particular hospital mm-hmm. or a private class? Well, I've done both. Um, so I, I feel like You've I can, both. yeah, I've taught both. Um, and I would say that the hospital based class is going to be very specific to the hospital that they're at. So if you're delivering at a certain hospital and you're going to that class, they're going to speak to different protocols or options that you have pretty specifically than would a community-based class. In a community-based class, when I'm teaching that class, I'm having to talk to the home birthers. I'm having to talk to the community hospital versus the, you know, the hospital in Beverly Hills and then the, you know, like the Kaisers and all of that, which all have a little bit different options. Mm -hmm. And so you're being a lot more general. Whereas in a hospital birth or a hospital-based class that I think that that class is very specific to what that hospital offers you. I also, my point of view on that might be slightly different than yours. I feel like even in a very progressive hospital, Mm -hmm. like where you were, um, 
a hospital has policies and a hospital has protocols that are not necessarily designed for their patients. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I mean by that is sometimes policies and protocols are, are meant to reduce risk, right? And everybody wants to reduce risk. But sometimes they're designed to reduce medical risk. So in this case, risk to a laboring woman or her baby or babies. Um, And sometimes they're meant to reduce liability, which is risk to the provider or the facility. Yep. And they're not always the same. So taking Mm -hmm. away liability doesn't necessarily mean lowering your risk as a patient. Mm -hmm. Raising liability doesn't necessarily mean raising your risk as a patient. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we take away options that you might have wanted. Yes. Because we're trying to limit liability. Mm-hmm. And and I think administrators might say, well, there's seven options here. Four of them don't raise our liability, so let's offer those four. Mm-hmm. But you might have wanted five, six, or seven. And a hospital class is not really going to go there. Mm-hmm. So oh, when you a do a private class? class, a community class, you're not sort of shackled by those hospital policies. And you can really give well-rounded information. Yeah. Um, in a way that you can't at a hospital yes. class. I, I absolutely 100% agree with you that there, <laughs> there's like the politics of teaching a hospital class versus the no politics, the just straight up this is how it is that you can say in a community-based class that like we had scripts for things that of like exactly how to answer certain questions sure. in the hospital. It makes sense. Right. Because then, because everybody's worried about liability and the nurse in me is, it also sort of functions through that lens. I want to keep my nursing license. I think that every I healthcare practitioner. Right. But yet that that can affect the birth experience and it can affect um your options, exactly like you kind and of said. And how you pursue them. Totally, totally. And, and even if the hospital doesn't want you to take that option, it doesn't mean that it's not available to mm-hmm. you if you ask for it, but they're not going to advertise it. Right. So in a private class, you don't have that issue. But mm-hmm. on the flip side, if you're going to birth at a hospital um, and you do a class at that hospital, you at least get to learn you mm-hmm. know, their perspective on birth before you get there. Yep. So I think there's pros and cons to both. Absolutely. Some of the more brand name classes like the hypnosis-based classes like hypnobirthing or hypnobabies Mm -hmm. or birthing from within or Bradley or going back Mm -hmm. to Lamaze, um, how do those differ than, you know, more general classes that don't have a brand name attached Mm -hmm. to it? I think anything that has a name attached to it is going to be, in general, more of a method. Um, so certain, certain like a Lamaze or a Bradley or a hypnobirthing, they're going to hold to this is the way that we teach childbirth ed and then like this is, this is how you birth. So I'm going through the Bradley method. I'm using the Bradley breath versus I'm using the Lamaze breath or a hypnobirthing, hypnobaby strategy. Um, so more on the coping yeah, particular to, particular to coping. I think like when you look at like philosophy or mission on on behalf of all of the quote unquote methods, um, they're pretty much the same. Increasing confidence, decreasing fear, um, believing that birth is natural. I think that is important when you're looking for any kind of childbirth class. And that may be where the hospital class comes in that like absolutely 100 percent, I can say from the nursing perspective, um, that not everybody believes in physiologic birth. Physiologic birth means meaning that your body can do it without intervention. Um, I think that there is somewhat of a widespread belief in the medical world that like intervention is helpful, that like most people need them to have a successful quote unquote birth. Um, and so it's it and and mind you, there is a lot of movement back towards physiologic birth. There's more talk about 
not putting people on the clock, not using medical interventions that aren't necessary, you know, and that have specific reason. Um, and now you can drink. And now you can drink. <laughs> now you can eat in some scenarios. Like in some hospitals, they're letting you eat in labor. Yeah. You know, so there's there's some really amazing changes, but it's coming back to physiologic birth. And that's where I think a lot of the, the methods, when you look at like similarities, that's like, we believe in birth. We believe that your body was meant to do it. We believe that you can cope with it. And we and we want to help you through that to avoid interventions and, and kind of let birth be organic. Um, so typically those classes include all the elements that you talked about. Mostly, They're yep. complete childbirth education mm-hmm. classes with the anatomy and physiology, with the coping, with the yep. partner skills. But they have a particular way mm-hmm. of if you're if you're planning to do it on your own, you know, without interventions mm-hmm. specifically, then different ways to navigate through that, mm-hmm. um, different coping mechanisms to navigate through that. And I would say the probably the biggest difference between each of the methods is their way of teaching coping. Mm-hmm. Because you, you know, you talk about Lamaze, and like whenever anybody that thinks of Lamaze, they think of like the he, 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 he. Yeah. you know. And my mom did that for labor. We have it on video. And I'm like, oh, you went to Lamaze <laughs> class, and so you know, there's. The I bet he, you he, can, as breathing. a nurse, I bet you can tell right away. Oh, I know which class you did. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, or the Bradley style breath, which is which to me is kind of what I see more regularly um, with my clients or with my patients, um, which is like your slow kind of yoga breath, Uh you know, Um, and so teaching coping based on that. And I would say breath is the foundation of coping, honestly, like from the thousands of births I've been a part of. If you keep control of that breath, you are you're likely coping, mind you. So that makes sense to me in a lot of ways. The nervous system has you can break it down a lot of different ways, mm-hmm. but one of them is conscious, voluntary versus autonomic. So mm-hmm. voluntary are things that you want to do: you move, you dance, you eat, you make emoji faces. But um, those are all more skeletal muscle, and autonomic are just your body reacting to the environment around you. So if it's hot, your body will work to make it colder. If okay. you're in danger, your body will act a certain way. If you feel safe, your body will act another way. You don't really control that very much. I can't tell my blood pressure what to right. be. I can't tell my pulse what to be. But uh, the overlap is breath. And so I can choose to take a deep breath. And so in that way, I can kind of set the tone for that autonomic system to say, hey, Mm -hmm. um, I'm safe. I'm not in danger. I don't have to fight. We can have all the relaxation responses that I would normally have, even though this intensity is happening. Mm -hmm. So breath is so powerful because of that. Well, and I say, too, that like I think one of the things that causes a lot of anxiety for moms as they anticipate their birth is the idea of feeling out of control. And with your breath, that is absolutely, I would say, one of the most important things that you totally have control over. Mm. And when the moment that you allow your body or the discomfort surges, whatever, to take control, that's your opportunity to say, nope, I am in control. I say that sometimes in bursts. I said I was on a, the phone. Actually, I had a virtual client that's in Florida, and oh, I, wow. I was her doula virtually. It was my wow. first one, and it actually went really, really well. But on the phone, I, I could hear her. It's like losing control. And you hear that through the breath, right? A ha sounds a lot more relaxing, controlled than a <laughs> right? Like that, no one wants to sit in that. That's anxious. That's fear. That's that's something else going on and losing. The, the higher it goes, it's the like you're losing pitch. control, yeah. right? So as a doula what I, or as a nurse, let's be honest, that what I would do is let's bring it down. You're in control right now. What do you have control over? And I wouldn't have this full conversation with them because we'd talk about it beforehand uh-huh. in childbirth classes or as a doula <laughs> in my prenatal meetings that like you have control over your breath. So bring it down. Look at me. 
bring it back to your breath, and then you build off of that. Because if she can keep her breath, then everything else, you add a movement to it, you add a position change to it, you add some counter pressure, massage, touch, smell, sight, other sensations, heat, cold, all of those things to create this environment that is safer, that is in control. Those are the things you can control, breath being, to me, foundational. And they all push your autonomic nervous system to its more relaxed mode instead of getting into that fight or flight mode. Mm-hmm. Um, we're almost out of time, unfortunately, but yeah. what, um, to what extent do you need to do a class specific to your birth plan? So, for example, home birth versus hospital birth, do I have to take a class geared only towards one or the other if I'm planning to have an epidural or if I'm planning to try and medicate? If I'm electing or need to have a cesarean, would I take a regular mm-hmm. childbirth education class or should I just take one specific to cesarean? I think particular to cesarean, if you can find a cesarean birth class, that's going to be your best bet. And the goal with that cesarean birth class um, would be how to optimize your experience and still have a birth. Um, Ooh, we have a great episode. It's called uh, The Gentle Cesarean with Dr. Emiliano Chavira. It's a wonderful, he takes you through all the different steps of the cesarean birth and demystifies what's actually happening. Same way we're talking about Mm -hmm. for vaginal birth. The more you know what's happening, the less scary it is for most people. Right. But then also he goes through each step and talking about how you can make that an empowered, beautiful, sacred birth Mm -hmm. moment where this little human comes through your body into the world. Yep. So I would say if you're ta- if you're going to have a cesarean, you know you have a planned cesarean to take a cesarean birth class if you have an option for it. Um, otherwise, I mean, even like a vaginal birth after cesarean or home birth, hospital birth. Obviously, if you're delivering at home, I would say a community-based class is going to be a better fit for you than going to a hospital class. Uh and also, the home birth classes do cover what happens at a hospital mm-hmm. they because talk about the transfer. Yeah. you sometimes transfer. So mm-hmm. it's not like it's only home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And then I think also, if you, the consideration would be whether or not you plan to um, labor and birth without an epidural or with an epidural. I think that if you are looking to have a birth experience without an epidural, that maybe an outside class and slash a class that has more classes attached to it would be more beneficial to you. So like a Bradley method's like 12 weeks. That's that's a really long class. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a Lamaze is, I think, five weeks. Um, and a hypnobirthing, hypnobabies, the hypnobabies curriculum is is what, like six lessons or whatever, but it's it's a lot of like homework and stuff. And so the ones that are that are going without the epidural, I would say that like the six-hour class is a great start, which is kind of a basic just overview childbirth class. Um, but I would definitely recommend like a coping class on top of that or some mm. sort of like coping method class. A Bradley's good. Lamaza's good. Um, and there are, there are places where you can pick a, um, certain topics and they'll just do topics specific to that. Or um, I also see sometimes a class that's broad-based will have an outline of what they're mm-hmm. going to cover. Yeah. And you might just want to sit in on a part that you feel is particularly relevant to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you talked about being a virtual doula, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. which is very cool and unique, <laughs> but uh, because I think a lot of people don't have access to doulas where yeah. they are. So that's yeah. kind of amazing that you can bring it to them. But you also do virtual childbirth education. I do. How does that work? So it's also relatively new, but also been very um, positive so far. So basically my dream for the childbirth world, because I believe in childbirth education so much, and I know that like in L.A., we have so many resources here. Um, But in other places in the country, also I would say the world, I did grow up overseas. And so I have a heart for kind of the world of childbirth education. Um, No small vision, right? 
But the idea would be to make childbirth education accessible to the masses. And so I have started doing live online childbirth classes. So they are interactive because I think there's a lot of online curriculums, which are also awesome. And if that is a good fit for you and you want to do it at your own pace, that that's that's a great option for you. Oh, like pre-recorded. Pre-recorded. Exactly. Um, But for me, I love the interaction. I love that you get your questions answered in the class. And like, if you want to detour the class for a second, you can and say, Mm -hmm. like, I've been really stressed about pooping, which pooping in labor would be a part of my childbirth class. We talk about it, you know, and so if they want to ask it, they can ask it. And then I will intersperse that into the class. And so with the online class that you basically they're scheduled, um, but you log on on your computer wherever you are and you see me. So there's a video and I, as you can probably tell based on like the energy of me, (laughs) I move around a lot. I use props. I'll act out labor. Um, And then I do have a presentation. So there's like actually birth photography that you can see real women in labor when I'm talking about different things that it's you're relating to what the experience could look like for yourself. There's a chat box. And then I do have some free downloads. I'd give them my birth plan, my hospital packing list, and then like a little labor cheat sheet. Um, Yeah. So it's fun. So anyway, so yeah, you log on and then you come and I always encourage the partner to be there too. And then if for some reason you missed it, I do give access for about a week afterwards. I upload it to YouTube, and then you can still kind of revisit different topics if you want. Oh, that's really helpful. Online as well. Um, Where so, do we find you? So you can find me on bundlebirth.com. Bundle, like bundle of joy. Bundle. Um, bundlebirth.com, and you can kind of find out all the resources that I have there. That also links up to my personal website, which is sarah-levon.com. Um, if you're in the L.A. area, I offer private childbirth classes, and then I also have specialty classes. So I teach a VBAC class, hmm. uh, which I, I love VBAC. That's one of my passions. Um, mind you, I'm passionate about childbirth in general. So like, of yeah, course, we that might have to have VBAC just on um, that. Yeah, I mean, I love VBAC. VBAC, cesarean birth class. So I do have a oh, specialty have class okay. for that. I have a coping with labor class and a baby care class. Can people do them privately online? Um, privately, they could do it online. Yeah, if they wanted oh, okay. to. Okay, so from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the time has come. Yeah. I could chat forever with you. I know. I could, too. This has um, been so fun. Thank you so, so much oh, for having me. Oh, thank you. I deeply appreciate you coming here and sharing your expertise and your, your again, very unique perspective being both on the oh, hospital staff side and the doula side and the childbirth education side. Yeah. Uh, at home, thanks for listening. If you thought this was uh, helpful or valuable, share it with a friend. And if you'd like to hear us talk about another topic, send your suggestions to info at informedpregnancy.com. Doctor, doctor, give me the news I got on.